You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 477. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of Spurs Cast. Joining me for episode 477 will be Project Spurs' own Benjamin Bornstein. In this conversation, Ben and I will go over the Spurs' last four games. We'll discuss Kawhi Leonard's last two games and how the Spurs are faring with him back on the court through seven games total. We'll take a look at the latest injury update on Rudy Gay, who's going to be out for about two weeks. And then we'll discuss the first ballot of All-Star fan voting that came in uh, with, featuring Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Monty Ginobili. From there, we'll discuss a few Spurs Twitter questions using the hashtag SpursCast. And then lastly, we'll preview the Spurs' upcoming three games. Please enjoy my conversation with Project Spurs' own Benjamin Bornstein. And now joining me from Atlanta, Georgia, is Project Spurs' own Benjamin Bornstein. Ben, how you doing, man? Fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well myself. Uh, so I, I, I hear that we are both going through these extreme weather conditions. Uh, I'm here in San Antonio, Texas. You're based out in, uh, in Georgia. How's it going? How, how's the weather looking over there right now? A lot of high 20s, but fortunately no snow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. High 20s. Uh, yeah, that was here. I was basically here a few days ago. It was it was in the 20s also. Um, no snow either. Uh, a lot of like get your pipes uh, wrapped and stuff like all these extreme weather conditions there's like crazy car slippages with the ice the black ice that's out there on the road so uh, it, it's a crazy yeah. it's a crazy time across North America right now so um, let's go ahead and get started Ben we're gonna go ahead and talk about first the Spurs's uh, last four games where they went two and two so last week I had John Diaz on the on the Spurs cast and we both thought they'd go three and one and lose to the Knicks it turns out they dropped the game to the Pistons. Uh, and then they also dropped a game to the Sixers. So let's go through a uh, little recap of that. Uh, they actually beat the Knicks in San Antonio by 12 points on last Thursday night. Then on Saturday, with the whole team, most of the whole team back except Rudy Gay, uh, they lost by 14 at Detroit. And Detroit had like four or five guys go for, for season high nights there in that game. Uh, then the Spurs beat the Knicks in New York by nine on Tuesday. But then the following day against Philadelphia, the Spurs sat out most of their core guys, um, you know, due to injury management and also just some of those guys being old. And so they lost by six to the Sixers. Even though they were down 16, they made a comeback and had a two-point lead with two minutes left, but they couldn't quite hold on to it. Uh, so, Ben, with them going two and two in these last four games, what are just your overall impressions? Is there anything that stuck out to you? Um, well, I know hindsight's funny, but I could have predicted the Spurs beating the Knicks away from New York because the Knicks are a horrible team away from New York like they I'm pretty sure they only have two or three wins on the entire year away from home and they've had a very uh favorable home schedule to start the year so they may uh they, they may not be looking great the rest of the season but winning at New York pretty great win I would say uh the Detroit win is or the the Detroit loss is a little baffling to me um I know it was only like one day rest and you know it wasn't uh what you would call ideal, but it doesn't, it just didn't seem like anyone played that well, really. I mean, the, the person with the best plus minus was actually DeJounte Murray at plus 11 and behind him was Kyle Anderson at plus eight. And then you had uh, Brandon Paul at plus seven, all the starters, double digit negatives, just real bad. But the problem was, not getting to the free throw line at all against a team. I think they were just afraid to go in against Andre Drummond, which really you should be going right at a guy like that and get him in foul trouble. They they shot 13 free throws, all of them between Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. There's, there's just got to be more than that. 
Um, I think that's the biggest issue in that game. Um, I'd say the, the biggest issue in the Philly game is just finishing. Like you said, they were up two, I think it was, you know, two, two or so minutes left. You, you gotta be, I know Philly's a solid team. They have a lot of, I think the, the issue was they had a lot of really athletic dudes on a lot of their positions and they present a lot of mismatches. Mm-hmm. But when you have a chance to win, even at Philly, with, like you said, two minutes left, you're up two. That you know, you got to play to win and play to not lose. Because if you play, you almost always lose. That applies. That applies to pretty much every sport. Yeah, and in that, so I think that go ahead. Definitely one of the issues, I would say. Yeah, and in that Philly game specifically, you know, some of the fans were a little upset on Twitter because uh, Pop went to the hack of Ben Simmons strategy. Which, if you're playing the odds, makes sense. You know, Simmons shoots 54% from the line, from the free throw line heading into that game. Uh, the Spurs put him at the line 15 times, and he made he actually he the, the odds did not work in the Spurs' favor, where they shot 60, or he shot 67% on that evening. And uh, you know, Le- because science, exactly, yeah. So <laughs> on, on all the nights that Pop tried to implement that strategy, it doesn't work out in the Spurs' favor, and instead it works for the Sixers. So like you know the Spurs are up they go up they go up by two points with two fifteen left the first move they make on defense is foul Ben Simmons and of course he makes both his free throws and from that point on the Spurs just couldn't they ended up getting outscored I think seven to one down the stretch there uh, to, to lose that game but you know the Philly game it was it was win or lose regardless just because of uh you know the situation where they were sitting a lot of their guys but I think the biggest one was the Detroit when you're right you know the Spurs it, it was one of those really first games of the season where they just didn't respect their opponent they saw that. Reggie Jackson's out. They saw that Avery Bradley's out. The Pistons aren't 100%. You know, they have Ish Smith on a point guard. They have that um, uh, Luke Kennard coming off the bench, and he ends up going for a season high in, in points. Uh, and they had a few guys just just stick out there. And the Spurs, you know, it, the Spurs are not complete even when they are when, – when you say they are complete, where, where when Kawhi's playing and, and Tony Parker and, and the whole group, it's still not a complete team because guys have been in and out of the rotation, and, and it's harder for them to find their, their rhythm – uh, their their roles when, when everybody's complete, so it's going to still take some time. Um, and and Danny Green is still kind of fighting uh, some gro- tightness. Yeah. I think it's his hamstring, uh, groin, right? His left groin. Groin. Yes. Yeah. So he's. I mean, he's still fighting that off. He'll, I mean, he, that game he only attempted six shots. Granted, four or threes, and he made half of them. But you know, he's he's got to be able to do a little more and. Uh, I mean, just the the my just that the the minuses for that game just look so bad, and it's crazy because Kawhi Leonard ended up putting up the most points. Yeah, but he had the second worst score. He had a minus twenty one. Only the only person worse than that was Tony Parker. Yeah, no, that, that's one part of it. Especially what you mentioned, with Danny, is that he's been battling this this groin injury where, you know, just as recently as Tuesday, he played half the game against the Knicks where he played the first half. And then he starts like uh, uh, he has like this awkward um, running motion, and you can just tell he's he's, he's being bothered by the, in the lower leg area. And sure enough, they pull him out and they say it's a groin injury again. So he didn't play against the Sixers on Wednesday. So that's kind of been a reoccurring thing where, where Green seems like he's okay. He says he's going to play. He plays a half, and then they, they pull him out because it's it's tightens up again. So and they've had him like uh, in the back. He goes to the tunnel and gets on the exercise bike during games. But it's just they still haven't been able to um, figure this thing out. This groin injury. So they may need to shut him down like with, like with Rudy Gay for a while here. We're not too sure just yet. Uh, let's move into our first topic, Ben, and that's Kawhi Leonard. You know, he, it's basically been the, the same topic over the last three or four weeks, and that's because, you know, he's such a big part of their, their team. we got to focus in on him exactly how, how he's playing here. 
Um, you're right against the Pistons. He puts up 18 points on 11 shots. He only makes four of them. Uh, three assists, two rebounds in 28 minutes. Then uh, he got the two days off. And then against the Knicks um, on Tuesday, he uh, he scores 25 points, the most of the season, uh, eight to 20 shooting, eight rebounds, four assists, four steals. He looks more so like the Kawhi Leonard we're used to. Now his season stats been uh, seven games, as I mentioned, 15 points per game, four rebounds, two assists, uh, one, one steal. Shooting 45% from the floor and 36% from three-point range, which is above league average, uh, playing, ba- playing basically an average of 22 minutes. But Pop has gradually increased his minutes every time he's played. Now, the Spurs are still keeping him on this two days off plan where he played Tuesday against the Knicks. He got the night, the next two nights off, and now he's expected to play on Friday against the Phoenix Suns because he's not listed on the injury report. Um, on the floor, the Spurs are playing elite-level defense. They'd be first. 90, they're holding teams to 96.5 points for 100 possessions with Kawhi. Off the floor, though, they're still having a lot of issues, which that makes sense, you know, considering he's not playing a lot of basketball right now. They're only scoring 97.2 points per 100 possessions, which would be 30th in the league. Uh, his usage rate is 32.6%. It's it's at the 100 percentile of all forwards, which guys that play three and four. So what have you seen from the Spurs when they do have Kawhi back? And do you think it's still going to be a struggle for them offensively, you know, trying to integrate him in this um, plan of having two days off? Well, especially if he's got that high a usage percentage. Yeah, it's I mean, higher than Lamarcus by far, like and by anybody on which, the team. Right, and and people gave Lamarcus a lot of, you know, a lot of they talked a lot of trash about him last year because they didn't think he handled the spotlight or whatever it was. But he he has more than done that this year. He he has proven that he can be the go-to guy if if needed. He can produce whatever you need him to produce. So I think. You, you should still lean on him while Kawhi is trying to get himself back and, you know, maybe get Kawhi's usage percentage down to like a, the 22, 25% range if you can, because what you said near 33% is ridiculous. Using a third of the team's, you know, using a third of the team's, uh, Jeez, now I'm losing the now I'm losing the word of their possessions. Yeah, Jeez, exactly. if you're using a third of the team's possessions as a guy who is coming back from a tendinopathy issue, that does not bode well. That's why he's not shooting at a high percentage like where you. And yes, 36 percent from three is still above league average, but he's probably closer to a 30, 39 percent guy. He was shooting about 38% last year and about 44% the year before, but that's kind of an outlier as far as three-point shooting goes. Um, so you, you'd like to – only two percentage points, and that's kind of negligible to some people. But you know, if you're taking four threes a game, that's kind of a big deal. So I would say you know, if you can find – if it's possible even, find him in spot-up situations. Get him comfortable shooting the ball again and to try not to make him create his own shots if possible. Now, I know LaMarcus Aldridge isn't a guy you come up and he's handling and, you know, beating guy dribble or whatever. But, you know, if you can, if you can find a way to, to, be, to let Kawhi Leonard become more of a spot-up guy for a little bit or, you know, during stretches of games, I think that would benefit him. And I think it would really benefit LaMarcus Aldridge as well. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying there. And, and you know, that's probably been the biggest part, the, the biggest problem for the Spurs. Then also, you know, you can tell the fans are getting a little, a little get, getting a little um, 
uh, I guess annoyed would be the word kind of where, where they, they see that Kawhi, the Spurs as his teammates, they're trying to give him the ball, let him run pick and roll, you know, go one on one with guys and basically try to get him to get a rhythm for the game. But the thing is, he can't get a rhythm for the game because uh, he's playing these weird minutes restrictions and he's on these two days off type of game plan. So it's, it's never going to build it up to anything consistent just yet until they lifted some of these restrictions off of him. And uh, you're right where I, I don't know if it's a coaching thing or, or a scheme thing where maybe like drop his usage percentage just a little bit more where, where you make Aldridge the, the, the main go-to guy on, on most possessions. And then, uh, you know, you know, carve out a, I, I just don't know how, you know, it's hard to do this in the middle of a game, but carve out like a section of just specific plays that Kawhi should be running. But again, you don't know how the defense is going to react, how they're going to be playing the Spurs uh, sch- schematically. So it, it is a tough situation. It's tough that he's such a high usage player and, and you're trying to re, uh, and put, put him back into the offense on a team that was already on, on pace to win 55 games without him. So, so it, it's just something that pop's going to have to deal with and, and the Spurs and they're just not used to it. That one of their top dudes was out for half the season, not half the season, but majority of the season so far. And they're trying to integrate him back in it. And like I said, it's just going to be time patience and uh, having some of these restrictions lifted off him. If he, if he can start playing more so in um, every other night, it doesn't have to be back to backs just yet, but you know, Get, get have, not having to wait two days that that's going to definitely help him a little bit more and his teammates to have more familiarity with them on the floor. Um, another uh, injury right now is a uh, Rudy Gay. Also the Spurs had announced last Thursday that uh, he he's out with the right heel burstus uh, burstitis. I forgot what it's called. Uh, bursitis. Bursitis. There you go. Thank you, sir. So he's out with right heel bursitis and uh, that's going to be a, t- a two week injury where, where they're going to reevaluate, reevaluate him in two weeks. So he may not be, even be back after two weeks. Uh, Gay scoring 11.5 points per game, shooting 48% from the floor, five rebounds, um, one and a half assists, one, 1.6 turnovers. Uh, he's got the, the third highest usage on the Spurs, uh, 22.5%, um, ranks in the 88th percentile of all forwards in the NBA. So what do you think this – are they going to be okay without Gay, or what do you think is going to happen here while he's out for, for a while? Normally I'd say they should be fine because they have Danny Green who can kind of – He's not quite as I mean, he's not quite as versatile, but he can do a lot of the things that Gay does as far as guarding different people defensively. Green is used to guarding two to three different positions. But, you know, it, 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 this could be a scary time for Spur for the Spurs right now. They got, you know, if, if Danny Green doesn't quite get back to being himself, I mean, we're going to see a lot of Davis Breton's minutes. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot more Brandon Paul minutes. Um, I'd, I'd personally like to see some Joffrey Laverne minutes, but I, they don't play the same position. So I don't, I don't know how that might happen, but I, I will say Kyle Anderson has been playing solid when he was, when he had a lot more minutes in the earlier part of the season, he, he was playing all right. I thought, and if, if the Spurs can give him some more time to take up the minutes lost by gay, I, I wouldn't be angry about it. Yeah, and I think you're starting to see that uh, is 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 definitely Anderson and Bertans are two guys that are getting a lot, a lot more minutes now that um that that Kyle that, now that Gay's out should I say for, for about two weeks here. Uh, and you know the Danny Green injury is just going to keep Brent Forbes on the floor more often. Um, and, and they're not getting a lot of you know when, especially when Manu's out they don't have a lot of depth at the guard position um, on some of those nights and when Parker's out too. Um, you know, as far, as far as you know, that that's a that's a time now. Like, like you mentioned, that's a time to see can Kyle Anderson and can Davis Bertans really uh, increase their production. Kyle's been very stable here. Bertans has some hit or miss hit or miss games, um, and so that'll be a question to see for these next two weeks. Do these guys pick up the slack? Does Brandon Paul? Maybe, I mean, not Brandon Paul. Uh, Brent Forbes maybe um, 
uh, increase his production as well. So that's something to watch now that with, with Rudy Gay out. Um, the last topic, Ben, before we go to our, our first uh, Twitter questions, then the, the the part where we preview the next few games is the uh, let's talk about the fan All Star voting. So you and I are recording this on Thursday evening, and right before we got on, about an hour and a half before, I got the email from the uh, from the uh, NBA PR where they, they provided the, um, the the first round of fan voting for the All Star game. So fans go onto Twitter or text messages or all these different ways, and they put hashtag NBA vote with their favorite player's name, and then uh, the NBA tallies all these votes together. So this is only the first round. Uh, so let me just read you some Spurs-related numbers here. Um, Kawhi Leonard, who has only played in seven games, <laughs> is uh, ranked sixth in the voting. LaMarcus Aldridge, who has played in basically almost every single game for the Spurs. He, you know, Pops mentioned he's going to be an all-star regardless. Um, he's 10th he's in the voting. Now, LaMarcus is passed up by one Kyle Kuzma, who is ninth of the Lakers. He's a rookie. Uh, Carmelo Anthony's in here. There's just some names in here that, that you wouldn't think are, are, are worthy of all-star votes, but they're, they're getting them for the fans. Uh, let's go over to the guard section in the Western Conference. Manu Ginobili is fifth among all Western Conference guards, which obviously Manu's had a great year. You know, he's had some, some game-winning buckets. Um, you know, he, he's a fan favorite. He just had that weird um, shot that went in the other day against the Knicks. But he's ahead of some, some other players like Chris Paul, uh, Damian Lillard, um, Jimmy Butler. And uh, so he's fifth among fan voting. And then Lonzo Ball's eighth among guards. So, you know, it's just, just you know, this obviously isn't anything serious. You know, it's not like – but what, what do you think just about uh, this fan voting that's come out the first round? The NBA wonders why people hate their all-star game sometimes. And it's because of this. You let, you let dumb fans vote. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some fans are just dumb. That's the reality. You let dumb fans vote for people. Like, there's no reason Lonzo Ball should even be considered for anything. Okay? He is having a mediocre season at best. I know he's a rookie. He's going to take a few years to get himself going, but he's having a mediocre year. He's not having an all-star worthy year. And I'll say the same thing about Kawhi Leonard. I'm not going to pull any punches. I mean, you're getting close to a Yao Ming situation. Like when he played, I think he played all of 46 minutes one year. And basically because China wanted to see him play, everybody in China voted him in and he was in the all-star game, despite the fact he was unable to play the game. And it was very clear he was unable to play in the game from very early on in the season. So, and, and also if we're, if we're going to talk about that, there needs to be a lot more respect for LaMarcus Aldridge and what he's doing this year. Okay. The same people who came out here and said that he wasn't doing a, that he, he wasn't playing up to snuff also need to come out here and admit, okay, LaMarcus Aldridge is balling this year. That's a, that's a, that's the reality. Okay. So he should be a lot higher than 10th. I think there have been, you'll be hard pressed to find a forward slash center or however they're doing the voting now. What is it? Three, uh, three front court players yes. and two back court players. Yes. Just like that. You will, you will find, I, I don't see how you can name five other front court players who are better than the Marcus Aldridge right now, this season in the West. I'll say that in the West. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, a guy that's actually a, a little bit ahead of Kawhi here is uh, Isaiah Thomas. He's seventh in the Eastern Conference among guards, uh, considering he's only played one or two games. That's, that's just crazy. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. There, there needs to be – obviously the league is um, – they, they've tried to fix this problem a little bit more because when the actual voting comes together, it's going to be 50% of the, fan, of the vote goes to the fans, 
25% goes to the media and the other 25% goes to the players, which the players one was hilarious last year. There was random guys getting votes on the Spurs um, that are like their 14th or 15th guy. So that, that one can be funny at times too, just like the fan voting. But when you put it all together, they're going to try to get the right people in the game. Um, well, you, you can't give the fans 50% of the vote. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Why still, would you not give it to the people who actually watch the games and know what's going on? Yeah, I know. Why would the media – there are a lot of people who don't – the fans may not like the media because they think there's some sort of bias against their team, whatever. But these dudes are watching the games every single night. They know who's good. They know who's not good. Even, even if they've got hometown biases, they know who is worthy. They usually – know who's worthy of an all-star vote and who, who should be in the game. And the coaches, uh, when the coaches are decided, they usually, they're stuck picking reserves who should have been starters in the game. Yeah, no, no. I mean, they, they yeah. get stuck in a position because they, they'd like to, they'd like to pick a guy who, you know, maybe is having an underrated season and people don't understand, like, he's actually having a really good year. Like, they don't get to pick those guys because you have to, you have to correct for the fan voting. No, for, no, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's just something the league has in place right now. We'll see if they, they do change it even more in the future to limit the fans voting. But, yeah, I, I think it's a whole joke. That's why you never see me voting for the fan part of it. Um, I, I'd love to get a media vote. We'll see one day if I maybe get up there. But anyway, uh, that's part of, of the fan voting for now. Uh, one thing I do want to ask you, though, you know, the, the top three Western Conference players are Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins right now because of the fan mm. voting. Now, those are actually three legitimate cases here, um, but mm-hmm. yeah. I, I still think – I'm not trying to be a, a biased homer here. I mean unbiased homer, but I, I still think LaMarcus is playing better basketball than, than one of Davis or, or Cousins. Do you agree with me? I, I can see that argument. Yeah, I mean uh, the thing is I, I, I'll never trust Anthony Davis's health personally. I, I just feel like his crap out on him at any given time. Because he has just had injury after injury in his career, so I have no idea if I can trust his body. And uh, so I, I, I would – he would be the guy I would be inclined to leave out in favor of LaMarcus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I'd put him over Boogie too, LaMarcus, where just because of – look at his resume. You know, Kawhi's only been here seven, seven games. He's got the Spurs with the third-best record in the, in the Western Conference uh, he doesn't put up as many as, of the numbers as those two guys, but you know he's been the go-to option for San Antonio, and he's kept them as an elite-level team. Whereas these two guys are on the same team, and obviously it's not their fault the, play, the other players around them that they play with the, uh, the Pelicans. But even they haven't kept the Pelicans on on much of a winning tr- a streak as 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 Lamarcus has with the uh, Spurs here through, through the, the, the exactly the season. So I, I, think, a, I think yes. Yeah, I'm I can, with you I 100%, see, man. Keep preaching. Yeah, I can see LaMarcus being maybe have a, bit, a little bit better of a case to, uh, to go ahead of Cousins. But again, it's a, it's this fan part is a popularity contest, and obviously it's showing by LaMarcus being 10th. He's not he's not popular among the fans, and that's just kind of a travesty of having the fans in charge of 50% of the vote. Uh, let's go to uh, – we're going to take a quick break, and Ben and I will be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. 
You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you again for tuning in to SpursCast, episode 477. I'm joined by Benjamin Bornstein. Um, if you're on Twitter, please follow him at the underscore Boomstein. Uh, so, Ben, we don't have too many Twitter questions this week, but let's go ahead and get into them. They're kind of on the same topic that we had talked about earlier about Kawhi's um, return and, and how the Spurs are, are bringing him back. Uh, the first one comes from at Vasili underscore Namal. They ask, it pains me to say this, but considering the struggle of integrating Kawhi back and how will Spurs perform without him, what do you think about giving him initially a role similar to slow-mos, which is Kyle Anderson, and only later gradually increasing his usage rate? So just to bring some stats into this conversation, um, the Spurs, Kyle Anderson has a 50.4% usage rate, which is 52nd among forwards in the NBA. Um, you know, the Spurs on, on paper, they're three and four right now with Kawhi whenever he plays in a game. Uh, what, what's your answer to this question, Ben? I mean, I think we touched on it a little bit earlier where, you know, we, we said Kawhi's usage rate is absolutely too high. Um, and I, I would love to see them be able to integrate him back where they can, you know, they don't have to use him at such a high rate and they can, they can slowly work him back. I mean, they've obviously they were winning games before he got back. They can figure out ways to win using less of him. And in fact, it might be better for some of the other guys that some of those minutes back. And, uh, you know, get be, you know, use, use those minutes the way they have been be, you know, being used to that and saying, okay, I'm, you know, I'm guaranteed my X amount of minutes, this, this, uh, this game. So I know what I, I know kind of, I know better what my role is. I know how to thrive in this role. I know how to thrive with these amounts of minutes. So to make it happen. I mean, I'm, I'm with you man twitter fam let's uh let's make Kawhi great again give don't make use him a third of your possessions yeah don't have him use a third of your possessions again again, yeah you're right we both touched on this earlier and again this comes down to part of is Kawhi willing to sacrifice initially as far as like taking a lesser role at the beginning of in terms of his, his playmaking you know he obviously wants to create for for all his teammates or score as well um, and, and that's the part where you see that usage rate so high at, at 33%. And is he willing to, uh, you know, again, how is the defense playing him? Is he willing to sacrifice a little bit more to make it more of a post-up uh, pick and pop for Aldridge first and then maybe getting his, his reps, maybe playing more minutes against second units uh, at first? You know, he'll still start, but then maybe when Aldridge takes his break, Kawhi can get in there and get become like you know, the, the go-to player for them. And, you know, it, they do almost have two identities as a team. There's the nights when Kawhi does not play, and then there's the nights when he does play. Uh, when he doesn't play, a lot of the guys know the roles. They, they know the scheme, the system. And when he does play, they don't know what they're getting that night. You know, it could be a, a really good game or, or else uh, or, where they kind of have a pretty balanced attack or else it's a game where he's kind of over having that that um, that high usage rate. And so, it, you know, they're obviously not of equal power because, you know, the Lakers are so great. But it kind of reminds me of this, their situation around the Spurs. Imagine if – if Kobe missed mostly half the season and Shaq was already, you know, the Lakers were playing with Shaq as the, as the prime, the prime guy where, you know, it's just post-ups for Shaq and letting him, him dominate. 
And then all of a sudden Kobe comes in and, you know, Kobe was such a high usage player already. You know how I think the Lakers would be in the, situ- the same situation as the Spurs where it's hard to balance their, their two games because they play a little bit different of, of types of games, LaMarcus and Kawhi. And, and that's kind of the part where I think that it needs to be on Kawhi a little bit right now and Pop to kind of sacrifice his usage just a bit. Or, like I said, lift these restrictions so that they can get a lot of minutes together, have some, some downfalls, and then eventually figure out some sort of system where they're going to find a balance attack. So, again, it's going to take time. And, and we'll just wait and see. Our next question, Ben, comes from at R underscore Ibrahim E89. They ask, I think the most frustrating for fans, the most frustrating part for fans is watching so much injury management and rest. Ideally, you trust Pop's plan, but I assume you want to see them put together a nice winning streak at some point and get the offense sharper. Opinion. So so some quick stats, Ben. Um, you know, since Tony Parker came back, uh, well, actually, with Tony Parker, the Spurs are 11 and four. Uh, Danny Green already has okay. seven games. We mentioned how that groin injury has been bothering him lately. Uh, since Parker came back and they started reintegrating Kawhi, the Spurs are 14 and six. They're winning 70 percent of their games, which is the fourth best record in the league during that time frame since November 27th. Uh, you know, they have this luxury where they're still third in the West, where they're two. They have a two-game lead over the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then they're only two and a half back of the Rockets, who, who just lost James Harden for a while. So. What is your opinion on popping this management and rest like this fan is saying here? I don't mess with 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 injury resting, man. I do not mess with that at all. I do not question it. These guys are high-end, elite-level athletes. Their bodies take much more abuse than you or my bodies do. So if Pop says we're resting this man, we're resting him, all right? I don't question that at all they have a medical staff that they talk to you know we don't always know what go into these decisions so i've always been the guy was on the side of we let we let the team do what they want don't really question it especially if it's and i know the schedule this year has been better about back-to-backs and three and fives and you know four and six nights stuff like that so that has helped a lot but when you got you don't you know when you got Kawhi you don't let him go back to back right now. Uh, same thing with Tony Parker and potentially Danny, depending on how his injury is going. Uh, you don't you know you don't let him go back to backs. You don't let him do two and three nights, or you rest him on the second one, or the, you know depending on if the game's a home game or whatever. However, the NBA policy is now, which is ridiculous. But because I, I you've basically I think the policy is dumb, but that's a different thing for a different podcast Mm -hmm. um but i you know i I don't have any issue with the way they're doing it i i do wish that they could handle it better in game if they did the things you and i are talking about where you don't you just don't let Kawhi leonard use that many possessions that would help you that would help the team and Kawhi leonard uh be better prepared for games afterwards and even over the course of that one game so I think there are little things they can do playing-wise or strategy-wise in within the game that can help them rather than saying, you know, we're going to try and play you more minutes or we're going to try and increase your load every game or, you know, whatever it is we have an issue with. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I, I mean, I, don't, I do not question the injury stuff ever. Yeah, and I don't have an issue with it either just for, for two reasons. Um, one is that, 
if you look at the, the injuries that are coming back from Parker's coming back from an injury that, you know, could have potentially ended his career, but obviously he, since May that he obviously recovered very well from quicker than a lot of people anticipated. Actually, Parker's original timeline was January. He was supposed to originally come back. So like he's way ahead of schedule. So you don't want to mess with that thing and put him on these, this plan where, where he has to be playing a lot, a lot more often and he's not getting these nights off, especially that he's north of, you know, 35 already. Uh, same thing goes for Manu Ginobili and Pau Gasol. Even though they're not injured, these guys are very fragile bodies. They're they're elder they're elderly players, and you want to give them as much rest whenever they get some sort of resting game. With Kawhi, you know, even though he did he did recover from the ankle in, injury in the playoffs, the Spurs I, they just had no idea he was going to be out for up to December. Basically, you know, when they announced in training camp he has a quad injury, they didn't think it was going to be this long. You know, Pop even talked talked about from October and November how he he was saying how Kawhi's just not responding to to the treatment. So. You know, if he was having these issues that were that were kind of un, unforeseen coming in uh, with that quad injury, you don't want to rush him back, especially to have that stuff aggravate and, and have it come back. And again, my other reason is this: the data shows that they're still winning ball games. You know, again, they're 14 and six since they started bringing everybody back, but winning 70 percent of your games. You have the fourth best record in the league, so it's not like they're losing traction where they're at. Obviously, they're not going to catch. The Warriors or Rockets just yet, you know, they're, they're, that, that's probably not their plan anyway, just considering they were missing their best player for three months of the season. And so fr- from what I've been saying you know, on the last few Spurs casts, it's, it's just about patience until Kawhi can get his his a little bit more consistency in his minutes and his days off. It's going to be it's going to be tough to watch the Spurs and, and ha- see them have some issues uh, on the court when he's there. And like you mentioned, maybe it, maybe it's a scheme thing where where they, they look at their playbook and say maybe we lower his usage just a little bit more when we when we do play him initially. Uh, maybe that's something that they, they look at and do. Or if not, it's just again waiting patiently until see when, when when he gets enough minutes and enough chemistry with his teammates where they can build something more um, more consistent and productive. But until then, you know, I don't really have a problem with it. You know, so so we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, moving on now, Ben. Let's look at the Spurs' upcoming opponents. Uh, so before I record Spurs cast episode 478, they're going to play the Phoenix Suns at home on Friday. They will go to Portland and play on Sunday against the Trailblazers. And then on Monday, they have a back-to-back against the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. So let's first talk about the Spurs uh, in their last 10 games. They're scoring 105.4 points for 100 possessions, which is 22nd. Uh, they're holding teams to 101.7 points for 100 possessions, which is second in the league uh, during that time frame. Uh, leading scorers during this time are LaMarcus Aldridge, 22 points, Kawhi Leonard, 16 points, and Tony Parker, 11 points, uh, Pau Gasol, 10 points. Again, this is during during the last 10 games. So their first opponent is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Phoenix is 15-25 and 25 on the year. They're 11th in the Western Conference. Um, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. Over the last 10 games, they're scoring 100, 104.1 points per 100 possessions, which is 23rd, and holding teams to 108.8 points per 100 possessions, which is 20th. The leading scorers during this time frame are Devin Booker, 28 points, T.J. Warren, 22 points, and Isaiah Cannon, 10 points. Ben, on Friday night in San Antonio, who do you have between the Suns and Spurs? The Spurs will be missing Danny Green and Rudy Gay. I mean, I got the Spurs, man. Okay. Missing those two guys ain't going to be enough to to get the Suns a win here. I mean, they're just a bad team. There's no way around it. They, I mean, they fired a after what three games into the season? <laughs> yeah, it was a few games. I mean, yeah. Not there was. I mean, they they waited like a week or two. Yeah, it was. And then, it was really they, and then they fired yeah. their coach. I, I don't know if it was so, sort of than Kevin McHale when he got fired from the Rockets recently. So uh, it was one of those situations. Uh, You're right. R.I.P. That career, man. Kevin didn't deserve that. But um, 
Yeah, I got a win there. I'm I'm guessing they're gonna rest Kawhi against Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I'll, I'd say he'll probably play at Sacramento. Yeah, so we'll, let's go to that next game. So so okay, I agree with you too. I have a win against Phoenix. Um, I still don't think the Suns have enough to 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 beat the Spurs without Danny Green and Rudy Gay. Um, so then the Spurs go to Portland on Sunday. The, the Blazers are 19 and 18, seventh in the Western Conference. Uh, they're five and five in the last ten games. Um, Scoring 100 points per 100 possessions and holding teams to 103.8 points per 100 possessions. So offensively, that's 29th, and defensively, that's 8th in their last 10 games. Uh, leading scorers are C.J. McCollum, 21 points, Damian Lillard, um, 20 points, and Shabazz Napier, 14 points. And again, this is of the last 10 games. Uh, who do you have Sunday, Ben? And you're right. It won't be two days off, so it, it will be in that part of two days off, so Kawhi Leonard probably will not play that game. Um. Mm. Portland is such a weird team this year. Um, I I think with it being at Portland, I think they'll pull one out. I think the, the Trailblazers will pull one out. But I could see LaMarcus Aldridge going off in this game purely for uh, villainous purposes. Uh, returning to Portland, give me all your booze. I feed off your hate. I'm going for 35 tonight. I could easily see that happening. So I don't – I mean, I, I would – my first – my gut uh, reaction is Portland wins this game, but it's fairly close. Okay, I, I have the I have the Spurs this one just because, you know, without Kawhi, they were able to beat the Blazers already in Portland, and um, you know, and you're right, Lamarcus just goes to he just he it's this it's almost like that revenge factor where he wants to go at his former team, and he plays a pretty good balanced game there, and they don't have a lot of big guys that can really stop him, um, and Pal if they if they get going there. Um, the blade, the, the the guards didn't have such a good game against the Spurs last time, so I, I'm not sure that'll happen again where they're going to miss a lot more shots. But the Spurs should play a pretty good defensive game plan regardless. So I'm going to take the Spurs in that one. Uh, then the Ben the next night they go to Sacramento. The Kings are 12 and 25 on the year, 13th of the Western Conference, uh, three and seven in the last 10 games. Uh, offensively, they're they're scoring 105.5 points for possessions, which is 21st, and defensively, the worst defense in the last 10 games, 172 point. 117.2 points for 100 possessions. The leading scorers during this time frame are Zach Randolph, 16 points, Willie Cauley-Stein, 14 points, and George Hill, 12 points. Uh, who do you have Monday in Sacramento? Oh, I got the Spurs on that one. Come on, dude. Did, you, <laughs> did, did everyone just hear the three people he named as their top three scores? Okay. You got old man. What, what is he, 70 now? Is Zebo 70 now? He's, he's your top scorer if you're the Kings. And Willie Cauley-Stein, basically a dude without any offense who can only catch alleys and gets putbacks. And then George Hill. I got, I'll got. i always have love for George Hill. Yeah. But that dude should not be your – I could see him maybe being your third leading scorer. But if you're the Kings, you got to be better than that, man. You just – I mean, come on. You just got to be better than George Hill being leading scorer. I love you, George Hill, but shouldn't be anyone's third leading scorer. I'm sorry. Yeah, no surprise here. I have I have the Spurs as well. Um, you know, Kawhi should play in this game just because it will have been two days off for him to, to stay on that same rest plan. So regardless with or without Kawhi, the Spurs can, you know should be able to beat the Kings. Um, you know, so, so yeah, so I have the Spurs going three zero in these next three games. You have them two and one, which you might actually be onto something because the last two times that I picked and my I've been off. Um, you know, I, I was doing pretty well here, and then I've gotten them wrong. They've always lost a game in this sequence, so maybe they will lose that game uh, against Portland. We'll see. All right, Ben, um, thanks again for coming on SpursCast, episode 477. Uh, again, 
listeners, please visit him on Twitter at the Boomsteam, at the underscore Boomsteam, should I say. Uh, make sure that you're reading his Spurs prospect watch pieces. His last, his latest one was of SMU's um, Shake Milton. That was such a cool name, by the way, uh, Shake Milton. Great name. Yeah, yeah fantastic uh, name. Again, Ben writes these pieces, not not to see, you know, who, who's the lottery picks the Spurs get, but who were the players in the, late in the first round, you know, early second round, wherever they had those picks. Um, should, should they use, uh, elect to use them in, in the upcoming draft? Uh, ben, ben nailed both Derek White and Jaron Blossom game last year, so make sure that you're, you're checking out his pieces uh, throughout the season. Um, and again, uh, yeah, so thanks, Ben, for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks again to Ben for coming on this episode 477. Please follow him on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein. Just a quick, uh, few quick reminders, please. Remember to send your questions to hashtag SpursCast on Twitter if you do have any Spurs questions in your mind that you'd like to have answered on the SpursCast for next week's episode. Visit us on Twitter at Project Spurs, at ATLeague underscore NBA, at the SpursCast, and at Project Spurs Network. If you're online, please visit ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And then lastly, again, if you're listening to this episode on iTunes, please visit iTunes and leave us a rating interview if you have the time. Thank you. Have a great day. You sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.